Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. Can't wait for Yoshi. This is episode 29-2, and we are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernil. Every week, we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. We just choose a topic, we choose some music, and uh, we listen to the music, and we talk to each other about the music. <laughs> we gab. <laughs> but uh, no, this summer is the summer of 16-bit. It's still going. It's still, it's going still spicy hot outside. I mean, I, do you want to go in through like September? Do you want to go through October? Let's not go October. I think I think by that point summer would officially be over, no matter how you slice I it. I think I think I think we do Rocktober. I honestly, yeah, it seems we do four seems episodes like, of rock music. That might seem, honestly, that would be hard too, <laughs> even for me. Like you know, I can only rock so hard. I need some, I need some calming. Oh, I see, too. I see, I see. We do, we do Rocktober, and then um, I don't know, Chillvember. Oh no, yeah, maybe Trip to Fan November. Trip to Fan November. Like, hey, how much turkey did you consume? Taking that. Uh, uh-huh. well, so, um, you're probably looking at the title of this episode. And wondering why we're doing an episode on Seattle. In and, Seattle. And the truth is, is that um, I've watched the series Frasier at least eight times all the way through. Well, that's a secondary reason for the choice. <laughs> yeah. You also traveled to Seattle recently. I did. I just came back from Seattle. Uh, my family that lives out there, um, they're moving back to, moving back. They're coming home. Coming to home. this region. Yeah, yeah. He, he's from, my brother-in-law is originally from Delaware. He's coming back to Delaware. The plan was to go out there and help them pack the house, but they um, settled really quickly on a house out here, so they were already packed. So, so it was basically been, helping and hanging out, baby. Yeah, mainly just hanging out. Yeah, sightseeing and hanging out. Although less sightseeing this time around. But like as a result of that, like we were like we need to come up with a topic for this coming episode. And thought was like, well, just do one on Seattle. It could be kind of fun, and also it gives me this thought of like maybe in the future. Well, we're not doing 16-bit because I'll be honest, this was surprisingly challenging. Yeah, a 16-bit only episode about Seattle. But if we weren't doing 16-bit only, I feel like it'd be pretty interesting to choose cities and pick tracks solely based around the city. And in the normal Rhythm and Pixel style, there's no criteria. We just say, here's a city. What do you want to do? So <laughs> what perspective you come at when you choose this city, tricks, tracks related to the city mm-hmm. is yours and yours alone, which will be interesting because I think we already did different. We came at this in different ways I, I, too. I think it's going to help if, I, if I've been there. I've been to a bunch oh, of major, major cities, but like maybe not all of them. Like I want to go to Denver sometime. I haven't been to Portland yet. Yeah, like Portland I want to go to, at least I for comic control. I, I still haven't been to Chicago yet. I want to see Chicago. Chicago's great. Yeah, we're gonna, we'll be doing that soon, soon enough. If anything, the best, I, I don't want to say the best thing because that seems like disingenuous, but one cool thing I thought about going to Chicago is the fact that I spent most of my life being like, deep dish fish is stupid. Like, why the heck would anybody want to eat deep oh. dish pizza? That's not a real pizza, you right? You ain't going to sell me on deep dish. No, it's not even a sell. <laughs> it's not even a sell. It's like, I just genuinely was like, I don't get the point of this. Pizza is flat. Pizza has toppings and cheese. Like, okay. why would I buy a casserole when I can eat a pizza, right? But then, when I went out there and had what people considered to be, like, legit options for deep dish, I didn't change my stance on it being more like a casserole or a lasagna, but I do get why it's freaking delicious. Okay. Like, if I want, like, 
I don't think of deep dish like pizza in that sense. Like I think of them as like two different dishes. Like that's how it became. And I realized that if I want deep dish, I'm going to say I want. I don't say I want pizza. Which one, deep dish or or New York or whatever? I say no. I want a deep dish pizza today. I want deep dish or I want. I want New York yeah, yeah, yeah. pizza today. They are two separate requests. You say I want deep dish. Yeah, I you don't it. say I want deep dish pizza. I want deep dish. Deep dish. Yes. Yes. But I, I, I would no, like, I, I will <laughs> say deep dish pizza. But it's more like if someone says you know like it's almost akin to like when someone says I want pizza. What do you want? What toppings do you want? And now you got to decide what toppings you want. Or in the case of this, oh, like no, I want pizza. Do you want deep dish in New York? <laughs> I'm like. No, I want deep dish pizza today. Like, okay. there is no which type of pizza you want. If I want deep dish at this time, that's where I want it. Okay, eat. okay. So you're a situational pizza eater. Yes. You're not like, okay, right now, right now, if you wanted a pizza, capital P, capital Z, what <laughs> pizza do you want? <laughs> Puerto Zealand? I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what would you prefer? Right now, if I could get it, but it's primarily because of how long it's been since I've had it, I want freaking deep dish oh wow and i want it specifically from <laughs> i want it specifically from a like, different a specific you, restaurant i would say the deep dish uh, uh is probably focused on all of the parts of the pizza that i'm not super into where it's like kind of greasy and really cheesy and like that's not oh no the yeah. kind i'm talking about is main it's more saucy than cheese oh more saucy it's like that's why i said like it's like a casserole like oh. They chop it like a pizza. They plate it like a pizza, but it's a slice of casserole shaped like a pizza slice. Yeah. But again, it boils down to the taste. How does it taste? So instead, but not like instead of like 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 pasta noodles, you have bread from the crust. The crust shaping it. So basically, like just to slice the outer rim okay. is crust. The top isn't even crust. I it's wonder, literally a cake of sauce and spices. So it's a different kind of dough. So it's probably like a much heavier dough. I wonder if they ever use like... I've been watching too much British Bake Off. I was like, I was like a hot water crust. <laughs> where, <laughs> where it's, like a, where they, it's like one of those like old school like British doughs where they used to make like hand-shaped meat pies, you know? And I can see that too because yeah, it comes yeah, yeah, out yeah. like a meat... It comes out like a saucy pie. Yeah. And... I think <laughs> it sounds weird, but it yeah, genuinely it, does work. And I think one way to get past the that stigma of the, which one is like the outright just remove the war aspect. Yeah. The same way that some people got off the whole console wars biz, like Super Nintendo or Genesis. Like I like them both. It's yeah, just yeah. what am I playing right saying, now? Saying like get off the pizza wars. Yeah, get off the pizza wars. Just eat them both. Now, um, I, I'm sure there's a like every major city does have their version of pizza. Oh, it's hey. so true. We learned but, about New Haven style, and I was like, that exists. But it exists. <laughs> so I'm sure there's a Seattle style pizza. I didn't have it, or I didn't look for it anyway. I had. There's it's probably a, got some fish in it. Probably. Oh, there must be, <laughs> without a doubt. But uh, no. Uh, what was what's big? What is big out there is Asian food. Uh, there's Thai food, Indian food, um, uh, just amazing, amazing food. Um, and so I had a lot of that. I had a lot of Thai food. I so wasn't planning on it, but I your tracks did. involve that. Like, in some way, like, could you incorporate that? No, I told you, my tracks are 100% on the nose Seattle. <laughs> like, if there was a Seattle video game, I'm playing it today. <laughs> I, I'm really curious as to what you picked because once I got on this this train, and you're gonna, my, I start, I'm starting the set. Once I got on this train, I, I can't even picture what your picks are going to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I went in. I, I put I put some effort in, I'll admit. All right. So I'm going to start the, the... I mean, also, 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 
Also, the comp- I'm pointing at Pernell right now. The composers on these tracks, uh-huh. A-listers. Oh, so we got some bangers yes. coming out. We're going to start this one off. Ready? All right. Are you ready? Right. Let me take a sip of my Jocko. In 1988, <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. was signed to the Seattle Mariners. <coughs> From 88 until 98, he played for the Seattle Mariners. During that time, he had two Super Nintendo games. Oh, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball. Yep. And... Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. Oh, man. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's two of them. Um, and they're amazing. So we're going to listen to Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball for the Super Nintendo. Composers are Chris Jojo, uh, Paul Tong, Matthew Cannon. Don't know those guys. But I do know Jeff and Tim Fallen. Oh, um, Ken Griffey Baseball? The Fallen Brothers. No, that's uh, a shocker. Yeah, and um, this one's clearly got the Fallen influence on it. We're listening to Play Ball. Um, this is kind of like the opening track to the game. Not that the title theme, but like uh, when you hit start and, you, mm-hmm. and the players are running on the field and, and you're getting ready to play some baseball for now. Who like a game of baseball? <laughs> Let's do it. But I guess the joke is usually football, but I'm taking it. All right. This is Play Ball from Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball. Later, we're listening to Play Ball! Exclamation point from the game Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball for the Super Nintendo, composed by Chris Jojo, Paul Tong, Matthew Cannon, and Jeff and Tim Fallen. And you can hear the Fallen influence all over this. This sounds like Pictionary. Oh, this is so good. hard. <laughs> and I like the fact that, like I was saying on the break, how it sounds, it has this weird snare style where like it starts out and it sounds like it's like 
is based off of the track. Like someone's always like, time to play ball. And everyone's yeah. running out on the field and they're prepping up. And then he had that style change where it's like, now they're actually playing the ball of which they requested we do. <laughs> like when the, when the guitar comes in. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, now they're in it. The ball's getting pitched. Yeah, right. right ball's right, getting hit. Yeah, right now. It's like, let's play ball. Everyone's jumping on the field. Everyone's got their bats and they all like, they're grooving and they're dancing. Getting like, in position. Oh, getting in position, shaking their hips. But then, burn, burn, burn. Oh, it's like, well, wait a minute. It's time to play baseball. I guess in. Pitcher's spitting on his glove. He's got the ball. Ball's going out. Bat cracks it. Out the stand. <laughs> throwing the ball at people. <laughs> like, wham! He knocks out the pit. Knocks out the catcher. Knocks out the batter. Knocks out the third baseman. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a whole new style of baseball. I'm like, actually, I missed that. was like mat ball back in the day. Mat ball. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. game put kids in the hospital. Or kickball, as we used to call it. Oh, no, no. They were different. Oh. So kickball was bases like baseball where you know someone roll the ball you kick it and then you run the bases catch it and throw it oh this is starting Matt, to sound, this is starting to sound familiar yeah but mat bowl was a had some variations one format right was floor mats multiple formats represented the bases more than one person could be on one mat at a time that's what it was and yeah. you could run in either direction <laughs> oh but, so you could so you could still score going in counterclockwise exactly you yeah. couldn't change or, directions or going clockwise but you could go in any direction so once you start going left you have to continue going left or once you start going right you have to continue going right oh, until man. you round the bases and it got violent because <laughs> Matt could slide on the floor and you again had multiple people on bases being covered by the one guy. So sometimes you try to get in, you get a guy who slide in, the mat goes with him, you're tumbling in all the players when, that was falling on the floor. When you play, did you play like both teams were at bat at the same time? Oh, no, no, not at the same time for both teams on the bat. It was still one team than okay, the other. Okay, okay, okay. But it was be, just the fact that the calamity of it all, like yeah. you could have, it could be a scenario where like no one outright scores because it's never been safe, but you'll have like three people on second base <laughs> and now everyone's headed in this one spot so they have to get a really good kick so that you can feel safe enough to just branch out. Oh and man, that reminds me of, um, not reminds me, but it gives me the idea like, oh, I wish baseball was a little bit more exciting, right? Matt Ball would do it. Do you remember, uh, you probably I mean, I don't know if you would remember, but the, they tried to make a new football league called the XFL. Extreme Football League? Extreme Football League, like in the late 90s or something. The name rings a bell so I might be confused with the extreme wrestling. So what they, what they did, probably similar because the, the the producer and the person who came up with the idea was Vince McMahon oh. from World WWE WWE yeah and uh, it was him and, and a bunch of other like football players from like other leagues and stuff and they they they've, they've made it so it was super super fast so like points were 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 lower scoring so they had to score more did they shorten the li- the length of the field that uh, they shortened the length they did shorten the length of the field and there was something else where like instead of like a coin toss or this or that it was like a scrum in a and rugby, where they would throw the ball in the air and they had to go for it, Ooh, which see, is yeah, that's exciting, right? Exciting. But the, the the league didn't last because there were so many injuries. <laughs> that sounds about right. More contact, more aggression. Um, but hey, Ken Griffey Jr. played for the uh, Seattle Mariners for ten years, mm-hmm. uh, and he he was playing until two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight. Like he was one of the oldest like professional like hmm. players for a long time in ninety. This came out in 94, I think it was. He was in the All-Star Game and did like a home run derby in, at the Baltimore Stadium. Oh, cool. He's the only person in history to hit a home run that hit the warehouse outside of the field. Really? I read about that. And like, I do know what that warehouse that you're talking about, yeah, too. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So, um, like, no one's ever done it before except for Ken Griffey Jr. 
he's rolling with that too. He's like, that's right. <laughs> I put that dick right there. Um, that's the extent of my Ken Griffey Jr. knowledge. Hey, that's a lot more than mine. I know his. La- I know he's a junior, and I've never heard of senior. Oh, senior dad did. Senior played for the um, White Sox. Huh? So I didn't realize that no, his no, no, dad no, also no, Bell played. No, not not the White Sox. The um, what's that other New York team? The Spotted Sox. Like Mets. The Stripe Sox. Mets. No, the Stripe Sox. Stripe Sox. That's Red Sox, right? Yeah. Stripe Sox. <laughs> stripey Sox. This, uh, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Stripey Sox. No, White Sox are Chicago, right? I, you're asking the wrong guy. Wow. I know there's, I know there's a Red Sox, a White Sox, someone, and a Stripe Sox. Someone who likes sports listening to our show is like just yelling at their... their I don't know, As it right should now. be. As it should be. As it should okay, be. Okay, so I'm really excited for now. What's going on? Well, What's my going on was, over in Purnell Town? Well, my first was going to be really easy and straightforward because it's on the news it's for su- me. Super Frasier? No, which for the record, <laughs> Rob mentioned Super Frasier for the Super Nintendo, and I seriously thought that was a real game, <laughs> and I looked, I went looking for it. <laughs> so, well played there. Super Frasier 2, Eddie's Adventure. I mean, let's be real, though. There were SNES games coming out for like TV shows that had no... Ooh. Home Improvement had a video game. Super Frasier 3, Roz on the Run. That could exist because <laughs> Frazier would just have they just make him stomp something and he would uh I don't know he probably have like a, a thing where he like gives like a speech and like calms all the enemies down so they'll stop attacking him well, on like, one screen. See that's a great idea and you didn't have like um cutscenes where you had to like choose the right thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, they they could totally do it because again, they made they gave George Jetson and Tim Allen and <laughs> Hell, there was probably a full house video game. I need to look up. But like they no, gave so many characters who otherwise have no business being in a video game, they gave them video games that were action based. Yeah. So there you go. So well played because it could exist. So so what is this though? So my first game is the first time I think on this summer of sixteen bit where, and I put that clause in way back at the beginning for this very reason. Um, it's a sixteen bit game that came out well beyond the sixteen bit oh. era. So. This is foul, foul ball. Ain't now. no foul ball. This is, this, is, this is within the realm. This is within the realm of acceptability here. Okay. Um, Penny Arcades on the Rain Slick Precipice of Darkness Four. Oh, okay. And the track title is the third pillar of Fortune, i.e., Fortune Tower. Or sorry, Future Tower. And this existed on Steam and the Xbox 360. And the composer was Hyperduck Soundworks. Ooh, ooh, I'm allowing it. See, yeah, see, I, I like Hyperduck Soundworks. Yeah, they Cross Edge, I think, or a Cross Code, didn't they? No. They didn't do that? I know they did uh, the Cosmic Star Heroin. Yes. But I could have sworn they did Cross Code 2. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure not. I'm going to have to look that up. We'll find that out later. Okay, here we go.
Welcome back. You're listening to the third pillar, Future Tower, from the game Penny Arcades on the Rain Slick Precipice of Darkness 4. Lengthy title. Um, <laughs> for the for Steam and Xbox 360, composed by Hyperduck Soundworks. Um, so I'll talk about the game in a second because you were like, what the heck? How does this fit at all? But no, well, yeah, Penny Arcade, like they're based out there, right? Like, yeah, like the reason why I picked them was because one, like even though they're technically in Spokane, um, the reason why I originally ever went to Seattle in the first place was because they had Penny Arcade Expo up there right, before they right. became the East and West breakdown. Originally, it was only out there. This was back in like 2008 or so. Um, and it was honestly a great reason to go, and it got me to. I think that's the farthest I had flown at the time, aside from yeah, even more so because that's farther away than Los Angeles is from here. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, yeah, because because you're going you're going kind of at an angle up north from where we are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's like five and a half hours. So that is the longest I've ever. That's the farthest I've ever flown in a plane, and uh, it's. I was happy to be out there. It was like it was an adventure for me, and I fell in love with the city. Like it's a place I genuinely need to take my butt back to. And I'll never forget being on the bus leaving the airport to go to the hotel. And uh, a person on the bus, him and his wife, um, and they were like, oh, yeah, we would never move back out there. We transplanted from out there to Seattle. We love the sea. We would never go back. Ever. <laughs> I'm like, that's a weird thing to have placed on the bus that I'm riding on from the airport yeah, to the hotel. They would never go back to, to they would never come back. They would never move back to Delaware. Oh, I see. They liked it so much. They, they love Seattle yeah. that much. <laughs> and I'm like, that's an, that's an interesting coincidence to just be on the bus with this pair that would already say, never, just stay in Seattle forever. But um, but as far as Penny Arcade Expo goes, like it was a fantastic time. It was when it was, when it was in its infancy. So all the growing pains that comes from starting conventions. Yeah. I personally believe that's some of the best time to go to conventions when they're new and still trying to get their bearings because... Oh, they're so... Uh, the Penny Arcade Expos, when they come back, they're massive, mm-hmm. massive affairs. Now they're all crowded and you can't really get there anything. But back then, you could... If you wanted to do something, you could. Demo stations were almost always accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember entering tournaments and actually winning them. <laughs> like... Before everything became inflated and bloated, it was just such a wonderful time. Um, Tell me about these games because I've seen them. I've only seen like pictures of them. I've never played any of these. And here's the sad part: and there's a bunch of for them. the most part, neither have I because oh, okay. of the usual pernelling. But I do own the first and second. Um, so they were originally released back in like the mid, the late 2000s on Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. Um, they were developed by one particular studio, and I can't remember whether they just didn't make enough money or if the studio went under. I want to say the studio itself went under. Mm-hmm. But as a result, after the second game, the concern was that they already knew the games needed, they needed more sequels, but they would never come out. So there was a concern there. But then, uh, a company called Zeboid Games, who are, originally at the time, they were known for Cthulhu, was to say Cthulhu Saves the World. Um, that was I'm oh, sorry or Breath of Death 7 okay I heard the, that f- from you yes there it is see like but like they were known for those style of games which was like 18 or sorry 8 bit style RPGs on current gen systems um, so they kickstarted the third game made the pre- made that kickstarter goal and they released the third game which again I hadn't played them so I can't be sure but I want to say that one was more of an 8-bit style closer to close to 16-bit but I want to say it was more 8-bit okay. but then the fourth game was 16-bit in style more akin to like how Cosmic Star Heroin is okay yeah, yeah like the Colonel Triggery look in that one but this game was more like a, I don't know more like a Final Fantasy in appearance um, but 
as a result, I'm like, you know, this fits the Seattle theme because of what I described earlier. Yeah. Also, it is 16-bit because 16-bit style counts. Of the, of the game. Of the game. Not the music. It counts. This song is neat, though. Isn't so I even came closer to looking at Game Boy Advance because there's a whole argument on the internet about that that still takes over. Like, it was the Game Boy Advance a 32-bit or a 16-bit? But the thing about it was that the graphics were 16-bit. The audio was 16-bit, but apparently the graphics were like... 16-bit 2, which adds up to 32. I don't know. If, if you go to... If you listen to the Legacy Music Hour uh, podcast, they, they name it as like third and fourth generation systems. So it's mainly like like Sega Master System up to... I think the like the most current they, they, they look at is the 32X. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because their whole thing is their whole show is 16-bit and stop. Yeah, and only... Or, only. or 8-bit too. And recently they had a discussion or their Brent Weinbach talked about uh, for a long time at the beginning of the episode that like every once in a while they'll do songs from games that were like modern games for like the NES like new indie titles Mm -hmm. but like I think they're not going to do that anymore which I think is kind of lame and also I feel like they're also not doing Game Boy Color because Game Boy Color was being developed like during the PlayStation era the thing is I feel like and I mean I don't I mean I'm not as familiar with the hardware so I could be spitting nonsense really no the Game Boy Color is, is, is inside it's just a Game Boy yeah, like because yeah. I think about like the time it was developed shouldn't matter so much as well. Then again, their name it's in their name though. In their case, legacy, yeah, so which the, means older too, not right. just the and, style. And they're looking at the generations of the systems, and so like that would fall beyond the generations that, that they, they, would, they look at. We're, we're we're a lot more relaxed in what we do anyway. Um, so like because in my because yeah, in my head, I'm like, even though it was developed in 2020. Yeah. They designed it with the intent of being representative of like games of that style in right, that era. Right. So it's like it couldn't still count. But Eric, I wrote, I wrote to, I wrote to them, and I said, "You gotta let the Game Boy Color breathe, man. You gotta let him out. Let him, let the Game Boy Color out of its cage." Did they send you a dead horse? A head? Uh, um, um, uh, uh, crap! I'm tired. Did they send you uh, a decapitated horse head in a box. It was like uh, never uh, write us uh, Yeah, I'm still waiting on a response. Still waiting. On a response. <laughs> Never give such <laughs> nonsensical responses to us again. It's fine. They can do what they want. We do what we want. No, I just love yeah. the guys. I just like joking. Oh, yeah. They're they're genuinely nice, cool people. Um, you know who also is uh, supposed to be really cool um, and really nice is Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, dear God. Did you find another Ken Griffey Jr. track? So this is from the game Ken Griffey Jr. Winning Run, <laughs> which is the second baseball game on the Super Nintendo. Um, I am all out of uh, Ken Griffey Jr. facts, but I'm, I'm not going to Wikipedia it. Right I now. just think it's funny. It's like the second game of the episode. This is Ken Griffey Jr.'s other game. Yeah, <laughs> this is Winning Run. Uh, winning the Winning Run. Um, this game is composed by Evelyn uh, Novakovic, um, whose maiden name was Evelyn Fisher, and you may know that name from Donkey Kong Country. Eeky. She worked alongside David Wise. Oh. Yeah, so a lot of like the kind of like electronic ambient stuff she worked on with David Wise to do all that sound. She's had a lot of stuff on the uh, Game Boy Advance as well. Um, that stuff I really recognize, but a lot of the Donkey Kong Country, Diddy Kong Country, all that stuff, um, Evelyn uh, Novakovic worked on. I don't know why I just had this thought, but I think I have an idea for this month's Patreon. Oh. Vacations. Vacation gonna go, whoa, whoa. Mm, no. 
Vacation, no. go that's, to Pernell. That's, that's not even the actual Pernell, rhythm of the actual song. Vacation. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's terrible. This track is called Game One, uh, which is uh, like you not game number one, but game like you you winning, like you won the game. Oh, game one, not game yeah, one out so, of five. So after the game, and you have won. So um, this is the track Game One from Ken Griffey Jr. Winning Run for the Super Nintendo, composed by Evelyn Novakovic. One could say it's the title track. <laughs> This is game one from Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run for the Super Nintendo. I just realized there's an ap- apostrophe in there, so it's it's possessive. Like it's his winning run. Yeah, it's Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning Junior's run. Is this is his winning run. Jr.'s is run. You're purchasing the video game of his run. Of his run. Not your run. You don't get to have one. It's only Ken Griffey who gets to winning run. You can't play as any other character. I have no idea. <laughs> Every team is fielded by Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> Left field, Ken Griffey Jr. Center field, Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> He's just running around like the, the field as fast as he can. He was, he was that good. No, he was very good. I know he was also he also <laughs> was related to Sonic the Hedgehog in some weird fashion. I don't know. The, the, the name Blue Blur started in Seattle. <laughs> There it is. There you go. History lesson, courtesy of Rhythm and Pixel. And then someone said, do you mean Sonic the Hedgehog? And Ken Griffey Jr. was trying to retire, of course. And so he was like, yeah, of course. It's Sonic the Hedgehog. Not me. Just give it to him. You can have it. No. (laughs) Poor Ken Griffey. He just wants to be known for what he is. Um, So yeah, this this is a time when I think video games were just starting to have um, major celebrities on the covers. Maybe not just starting to, but like like on um, all of the NBA Live or NBA like well, that I mean, NBA '96 or '98, like there were there were celebrities on the cover, but it wasn't called like um, like Michael Jordan's NBA Live, you know. Well, I feel like there's always been. It's just how prevalent they were, because like there was always the on the NES. I think it was John Elway's quarterback. Yeah, oh yeah, it was always John Elway's quarterback. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that existed, but I don't think those types of games were as prevalent there's, as um, they became in the late '90s. So because Madden was the big, the first big one, I would say. Where the actual person's name, not a team name, was yeah. the press. And not a football player. Oh, touche. That is yeah, true. Yeah. And the player that was interesting. <laughs> so here's all here's here's some other Super Nintendo baseball games with people's names on it. All right. So we got yeah, Ken Griffey Jr., obviously. Cal Ripken Jr. Okay. Um, I wanna say oh, here we go. The Big Hurt. Um, that one. Who's the Big Hurt? I don't know. Some, Frank Thomas. You know, I don't Frank, know who the heck that is. Um, wasn't there Tommy Lasorda's baseball? There was a Tommy Lasorda baseball. That's another coach. Yeah. 
But like, see, there's just so many out there. But like, Bo Jackson was the one that I knew. Yeah, because Bo. Bo knows everything. He was a pro star. Yeah, here he is, Tommy Lasorda baseball. That was on this the Sega Genesis. I always thought it was weird because like, didn't look like he wasn't. I'm not saying he's an ugly person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you do that. I'm just saying, like, he doesn't have, like, like a lot of these, like, like Ken Griffey Jr. and Frank Thomas, a Bo Jackson. Like, they have, like, this chisel this, look. This image, you know? Like, they're all about, like, it's almost celebrity. And then you got Tommy Lasorda. He's like, hey, I'll play some baseball. Hey, he's, he's in it for the game. He there doesn't was, care about He's not vain. There was one that was uh, a catcher. And I always thought that was really funny. Maybe, in the maybe, Rye? Maybe that was on the, yeah, on the PlayStation in the Rye. <laughs> PlayStation Rye. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I used to know that because I remember seeing it when we worked at EB and being like, why, would, why is he on the cover? Hey, I don't understand sports. I'm sure there was some reason. Maybe he said something that made people laugh and go, he's noticed, He's now known for being the guy who said the funny thing in baseball during the X game in the yeah. World Series. And I can't say anything because like, um, like here we are talking about a game made entirely for the characters from a webcomic, Penny Arcade. And we're like, and then and of course, like people you know who are been playing baseball for like their entire lives are gonna have their own video game. Oh yeah, yeah. like it. There, it just goes. I mean, star power can come from any number of things. Yeah, it's, it's just what catches on. Absolutely. Um, but this 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 track sounds very very different, right? It sounds it's got more of like a techno edge to it. It and doesn't it, sound it doesn't sound baseball-y. And the thing is, it got me thinking about it because for years, like you know, when you're younger. You don't care as much about developers. I mean, obviously, there was like the big boys like Konami and Capcom because they kind of splashed their name on the products. So you kind of just resonated with you like Mega Man is clearly Capcom. Right. But for the most part, a lot of games, all you knew was licensed for Nintendo. So you just thought it was a Nintendo game. So I never knew who developed these King Griffey Jr. baseball games. And apparently, unbeknownst to me... They were developed by two different studios. Like, yeah. so the first one, which with Chef and Tim Fong, was Acclaim. Acclaim, which is interesting to me. That was developed by Acclaim. Yeah. Huh. Um, and then, so I want to say Tim Fong. I guess that would make sense. And then this one was Rare, mm-hmm. which which is, makes sense that Evelyn Novakovic would be on that. But it just shocked me that two different studios produced these Ken Griffey Jr. games, which means that the license changed hands. And still went with this character. Like, usually, I, I'd have trouble picturing that they would go with the same baseball player despite being two different studios, as opposed to being like, okay, well, I'm just going to call it, you know, Super Baseball or, you know, I think, just another star. I think it's not, I think it's, it's Ken Griffey Jr.'s manager is just a powerhouse and got him two games. And, and Ken Griffey Jr. was like, hey, in my contract, this, I'm getting two video games. And the guy was like, well, I mean, we already got one from Acclaim. And they're not going to make you another, so let's go find another company. Hey, you know he, he earns his keep. Let's do it. I, although I remember that first one, I don't remember this game. I've never played either, so I couldn't tell. You. <laughs> but I do remember the first game from like Nintendo Powers, and like I had a yeah, friend who totally. owned it too. This one, this one, not so much. Maybe it was later in the cycle. Like, well, I think this was ninety. What did, I'll look it up later, but I want to say this came out like ninety-eight. Yeah, that's, that's 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 late in the Super Nintendo, right? Which by then I was probably playing PlayStation and Saturn. So. Uh. All right, so what's your next game? Your next... Pernell plays the best games in Seattle. Well, not that far, <laughs> but this was one I actually didn't even know existed. Actually, no, I did know it existed, but it was loosely. I confirmed it for this episode, though. Okay. So <laughs> this track is actually Ninja Gaiden. What? 
But, again, this is me being that guy who cheats sometimes. Okay, that's fine. This is the TurboGrafx-16 Ninja Gaiden game. Uh, this is It's more based on the arcade, isn't it? Mostly, that's hard to say. Like, visually, it looks more like it's touching base on the... Um, on the on the Nintendo version, but like just what's quote unquote improved graphics, but oh, that could go either way. You're because cheating of, because this is actually Turbo CD. Maybe, <laughs> but the get no. I'm just saying cheating because you know some you know there's always that distinction like it's TG16, 16 bit or eight bit. But every episode, I always have to get a TG16 in there, so I was struggling. I love it, but then I was able to figure out a game, and this counts for love to what hear I'll bring it. up. So this game. Uh, since this is a Japanese version of it, we're going to give it the Japanese name. This is from the game Ninja Ryu Kenden, and it is stage 4 2, composed by Keiji Yamagishi. Because for the life of me, this is all I could find. I don't know if someone else did it, those versions or not, but I couldn't find it. All right. So he did it. <laughs> You're listening to Stage 4-2 from the game Ninja Ryu Kenden on the TurboGrafx-16, also known as Ninja Gaiden, composed, I believe, by Keiji Yamagishi. I know he did the NES game. I'm going to assume he did this one, too, because I couldn't find any different. I I mean, it doesn't... It's hard to know. It's hard to know. TurboGrafx-16... I'm going to guess not. <laughs> it's like time to look, look up a little bit later. Maybe I can come across something I didn't see before. Uh, yeah, let me just... Hold on. You can keep talking. I'm not, I'm not going to look it up right now. Um, so, Ninja Gaiden, or rather this game, is pretty much Ninja Gaiden to the letter as far as like, the stage design layout goes. It just graphically is different. And as you can hear right here, the OST is completely different. Um, stage 4-2, the OST there is one of my favorite tracks in, the, in Ninja Gaiden 1. And this sounds absolutely nothing like that oh, at all. Yeah. Um, so it makes me think this might be more towards the the arcade version of the game. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, I've seen the arcade game get played, mm-hmm. and I watched footage of the PC Engine game get played, and this looks and flows more like the NES game. Oh, did. no kidding. It's just a matter of the music is different. Oh, and it you're looks right. different graphically. Yeah, you're right. It really does. Because in the arcade, it was. It had more of like a beat 'em up style to it. Yes. Yeah. And this is still this one still has that whole flow this that flow motion of like running forward, slashing and jumping <laughs> and getting out of the way of stuff. But like I think this track is great. Like I feel like overall if I were comparing the OSTs, which I ended up doing because I had of course I did. Um the OST from the NES game is the superior one in my opinion. But as a person who just likes and appreciates video game music, I think it's really cool to listen to the Turbo Graphics rendition 
and get a feel mm-hmm. of like what these guys were experiencing when they played the game on that console. Well, you get some like you get more sound channels out of it too. So I feel like they're able to do like more complex like things with the chords and the sounds. And I think it's got a cool sound to it. I've always thought the Turbo Graphics 16 or PC Engine's got a neat sound. It's almost, it's not even beepy. It's it's more like plink. It's got plinky. You know, mm-hmm. something something about it. It's really cool. Some of my favorite OST tracks come from that console, and I I will hold it on a pedestal to the day I die. Um, but I'm sure at point you're also probably like, why the heck did he pick this <laughs> for a Seattle episode? And in this particular case, it's because I got to thinking about other things in Seattle that I've always appreciated. And one of the things I came across out there was a game store that does like imports games and the like called Pink Godzilla. Um, it was a oh. game store that came out that was out there. They were vending at PAX that year. But they also have a physical store located in the city as well. Now... I ended up, they still import games and stuff, but the thing that I most remember buying from them is, and I still own it. I actually brought it with me here because I wanted to look at it while I talk about it. Oh, it was a card game that they were selling called Pink Godzilla's Dev Kit. Oh. And it's like... Hey, a, it's super cute. Yeah, it's like an adorable little Pink Godzilla critter. And the idea behind this card game is that you're a video game company developing a game, and you're trying to develop video games before the opposing characters. <laughs> and then... Why specifically Ninja Gaiden, and I'm pointing this to Rob so he verifies it, on the upper left corner of the box, one of their mascot characters looks like a triangular ninja. So I was like, hmm, Ninja, Pink Godzilla Dev Kit, Import Video Games, Ninja Ninja Gaiden. There you go. So I was like, let me see if I can find a Ninja Gaiden game. Yeah, he definitely looks... Applies. Yeah, he's got the star on his head, though, so... It counts. I know, I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking he reminds me of some other... Um, maybe Shinobi? Yeah, maybe it was Shinobi I'm thinking of. But, like, the funny thing about Pink Godzilla, though, is that if you go to look them up right now, you won't find them because they actually got into trouble with the actual license holders for Godzilla, the company, mm-hmm. that, I mean, their licensed property, so they had to change their name to Pink Gorilla. <laughs> they still exist in Seattle, but now they're called Pink Gorilla Games, not Pink Godzilla Games. So it's interesting to have this little game box here where it has their old mascot on the cover and all that good stuff. Um, everyone's making video games. Why not you is the tagline for the game. Um, so I don't know. I, I look back finally on even going to that store and checking out what they had on offer. And also just the fact that I still have the game. And even when I bought it, I was like, I'll probably never get a chance to play it. But I like the idea and the concept so much. It's like, I want to buy it. I'm just going to take it home with me. It's a nice little souvenir from Seattle. Um, so Seattle's got a lot of cool little shops. We went to a really nice dinner um, at a really, really nice restaurant. That was like our big splurge night. Like we, we, we dropped family away and we were like doing our own thing tonight. And we, um, but across the street from where we were eating was like, was a, a board game shop. No, it wasn't Mox or whatever it's called. I, that which used to be called uh, Card Castle. Card, Card Castle? Card Kingdom. It used to be called Card Kingdom. Then it was called Mox where it's more of like a restaurant bar where you can also play games. That sounds cool to me. That's amazing. But it was some other little shop. And it was um, it was so cool. I was so sad that we're just closing because we were going to go in there and actually play stuff. Um, we were like, oh, we could, we've could. we never tried Patchwork. We were going to try Patchwork. We were going to try a couple other things while we were there. Oh, Patchwork for a couple is the perfect game. Yeah, we were really excited to try some. But then they closed up. But um, we bought something. We ended up giving it to um, our nephews. What game did you game. buy? It was... It was um, a word game. Word on the street. It was a word game, but it was also a social deduction thing. So, like, where one of the players is a werewolf, like where one person has a word, they're giving it. Where words? Where words? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Wow. You know your games. I do! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so we picked that up thinking oh, that'd be really fun for us. And we thought, you know, our nephews might like it more. So we gave it to them um, as a little, a little gift. So, but, but yeah, there's so many neat little shops and like boutiques and stuff. One thing we realized while we were down there was, like you said that you met that couple that were like, oh no, we're never going back. We're going to stay right here. It is so expensive to live out there mm-hmm. that it's it is truly a great place to visit because I feel like if I were to live out there I wouldn't be able to enjoy it because I'd be working all the time. But like, oh, I could go maybe maybe if I'm lucky get a job at one of those big tech companies like Adobe's out there, Google or Microsoft, but I would be working all the time. Cuz that's the kind of rest kind of workload you'd be getting. Yeah, yeah, and I'm at the point of my life right now where I want more balance. And I want to enjoy this city because there's so much to do out there. There's so much cool stuff. And that's why you live somewhere cheap that pays you well enough that you can afford to travel if that's possible for a person. Yeah. Because it balances out that way. Welcome to Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's what everyone's in Delaware for. We were, t- we, were, uh, we were joking with my family out there saying uh, what the city motto is. It used to be... Um, a place to be somebody. A place to be somebody. It's not anymore. It is now so close to where you want to be. Is that really what it is, it is though? It is literally... You could be somewhere else, <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're hunkered down here because it's cheaper. But it's true, yeah. It's it's uh, lower cost of living, and you can go wherever. So, all right. So my last track is not a Ken Griffey Jr. game. It's actually Cal Ripken. <laughs> it's Cal Ripken Jr. No, it's um, I'm going NBA because I'm sticking with the Seattle sports. Okay, this is uh, <laughs> this is NBA Hang Time, right? Okay, which is a kind of a sequel to NBA Jam. So this came out on the Super Nintendo, the PC, and then I think the Sega Saturn later on. Doesn't look super great. You know how uh, NBA Jam was, you had like kind of that side view of the screen? Oh, the boom shakalaka stuff. Yeah, and when they, and so you're going left to right. But when the characters came closer, they got a little bigger. And when they went away, they got a little smaller. That was, oh. like, the, that was like their big thing. The going all the way visuals. Going all the way. Boom shakalaka. And, <laughs> <laughs> but in this game, they actually turned it around so that like you're kind of, facing towards the the basket net and you can kind of go back towards the camera mm-hmm. and it looks super confusing it's more of like a cool visual style but if you're trying to yeah. play the game effectively it's harder I'm like someone came up with a really cool tech demo of doing this and like let's make a game out of it <laughs> that wasn't the intention but yeah <laughs> uh, but really clever really cool music by uh, John Hay Kevin Quinn we're gonna listen to the main theme from NBA hang time and then I'll give you the uh, Seattle connection when we get back
yeah. Play ball. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, just get back to that. Oh, mm, mm, doesn't mm, like the mm, idea of playing baseball. Don't answer that. God, I, it's so, so simple, but it makes me move my body every time I hear this. It's so good. Almost a jam. This is the main theme from NBA Hang Time, composed by John Hay and Kevin Quinn for the Super Nintendo. And yeah, it's it's that that funky lead. It's it's got like a it's got this little vibrato just on the end, right there. Um, and so it's it's like it's like a little stank, a little little extra stanky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some stank face. Yeah, that's that's the stank face keyboard. But I am a, uh, I, I do like this track. I actually was doing a little bit of the shoulder bump. <laughs> okay, so this um, features the the Seattle SuperSonics players. Uh, Sean Kemp and John Payton, who were stars in their day. Okay. And this game came out in 1996, which was the year that they made the finals and played the Chicago Bulls. That was a slick pull. There you go. He's <laughs> like, like, I didn't just go with King Griffey Purdy to make it easy. I put some work. <laughs> I think my brother might be proud of me. <laughs> he's like, he's out there actually like, now listen to this episode, and he's got a little bit of the sniffles going on. He's like, yeah. I'm so proud of him. Uh, so what else did we do over there? We did some like really like quintessential like Seattle stuff. Like we went out um, on a boat like, almost for like an entire day. We went out on the Puget Sound. Puget. Oh, okay, that's where you ran on the boat picture. Yeah, yeah. So um, my brother-in-law is a um, big. Uh, he got really into sailing. He wanted to learn how to like an actual like sail without motors. Okay. And when we were there last time. We we went out for a day and we didn't have a whole lot of wind. So we ended up on a motor. <laughs> so do you end up renting boats or do you end up grabbing one at some point? Uh, uh, you, uh, you rent them, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if you ever bought one. I don't think you ever did. Because I, I know some people, they really get into it. They'll buy the boat, but then they also have to have mm-hmm. a, they have to pay for a place to dock it. And that's oh, yeah. Excessive. Yeah, yeah. And then you got to like rent it and all like the, the docking. So I think we, I know we rented it. And we all got together. It was the eight of us. And um, I helped with like the ropes and stuff. It was fun. We did that. The, like we, we, It was like four hours or three hours up across the sound to this island which was actually an Indian reservation and we had lunch and we came back it's crazy though because uh, the sound from what we learned on a uh, on one of those like tours that we did mm-hmm. that you can do the, the, the sound uh, they chose Seattle to settle because that waterway has one of the naturally deepest like floor beds of any like connecting waterway in the mm. country so, it's an interesting choice. So that's why a lot of um, cruise ships come out of Seattle and go towards Alaska. So it was for the purpose of like the like, large boats being able to pass through. Exactly. It. Yeah. So when you're going across the sound, like it's all fun. It's all like we're all chilling out there. We got music playing, and and we're like moving the sails it's around. Like, and then all, all of a sudden, like you look at the GPS, and you're like, okay, this is the shipping lane. We need to get across. <laughs> There's loud, like, Cause, loud horn. Because like the ships are so huge, we're going like what four miles an hour. Like, oh yeah, and if one of those pass you, the wake would just topple you. Yeah, those things are going like fifty, you know, and like they're just flying, and and there's they're and they're nonstop because like as you're driving through the town, you see shipping containers everywhere. It's just a big, it's just a big shipping town. Like it's a big like uh, was it maritime industry town? It's it's always has been, and I guess it still will be. But and it really throws me off too because like. Being from the east side of the United States, it's sometimes messing with me because my brain thinks, okay, the Atlantic Ocean, 
all ocean t- all ocean action goes on over here. Right now. B-Modder's <laughs> entire other ocean over there. Yeah. Of course, there's more than two oceans, but I digress. Well, I mean, they're oh, but clo- it's a whole other Pacific. Yeah, yeah. They're on the Pacific, so they're so much closer to Asia. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're getting, like, all those goods from China and all that stuff. So, if anything, that yeah. ocean is getting more ocean, like, actual, you know, transport traffic than the Atlantic is. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm, I'm trying to start my I'm own. almost positive it is. I'm trying to start my own, like, shipping line out here on, on, the, on the East Coast, though. What would you ship? Like, tea? That's, you know, stuff. Don't. Go to England, get some tea. Ship it's, it over yeah, it's Rob's tea line. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> tea force. I see. That would be perfect. T force, T force, T force. That that would be totally. That would be a T line or T brand that I would purchase from hands uh, down. Uh, but yeah, so as long that, as it tasted good, that was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, I was so wiped out because like we're not really moving. You're not really walking, but you're out in the sun for so long that it I, drained oh, you. It's drained. Yeah, that's cool. That's really neat. It wants to drain you like it God, should. So funky. funky. But this is a good. I do. This was a good funky. pick though. I'm telling you, all these sports games have good music in the 90s. Yeah, like when, when they still had music. Mostly like, because now all they are is like the menus have licensed tracks from the various from various record labels, and then the game yeah. itself is just silent. Well, I gotta tell you, the um, the last game I played that was Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run. Uh-huh. There was only like three tracks or four tracks of music in it. And then there were these really, really long tracks of just ambient crowd noise, oh. which is really sad. I hate. I'm that guy. People get on me. I'm like, I can't enjoy playing sports games without music. Like that's why for a while I was excited about trying out a Mario Strikers when that first got announced. Oh yeah, because I assumed Nintendo would have music slapped in there, but the actual matches are silent. You only get slight bits of music when like a player gets a super shot off because in the celebrations like the guy's like he's like yeah well they got some other sports ones like tennis right tennis is a big Mario one Mario tennis but that has music that has Motoi Sakuraba Jane. yeah 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 what about they, Mario Golf 2 they're both Camelot yeah on the 64 there's a new one on the Switch right mm-hmm. yeah. super um, uh, super rusher speed rush which I have and have never started <laughs> it's Purnell baby but like it's, and I've hit that point with games too. It's driving me insane. I think if it had like a um, apocalyptic RPG element to it, you might be more interested. Even still, where you games where you, after hitting the balls, you kind of collect them as like little monsters, and they fight for you. I say I would play the crap out of it. <laughs> but like it's just time these days with me. I just there's more. I have more games than time. And yeah. it and it drives me nuts because I like reviewing games because I like talking about new stuff with people, but I also hate that there's just more games than time yeah. that exists right now, and I can't front because I mean I get the games I get to play are for free, but I still go out and buy games too. I didn't get a review code of Mario Golf. I wanted to own Mario Golf yeah, one day. One day I'm gonna play Mario Golf. Well, I mean, like uh, maybe one day we can play it together. That'd be fun because you got the two little things on the Switch. And I, I, I have tons of controllers. I have actual Pro controllers. Oh, I just never use anything. I actually have three Joy Con sets when, when, when and did, two Pro controllers. When did you go Pro? Oh crap! One. <laughs> and it's a sports track, so it fits. <laughs> um, but no, I have actually, if you combine them all, I actually have five controllers. Oh, and I've wow. only ever used one. You just like you got you got you just you have them out just just for fun. You're like, today I'll use this one. I just had this mindset of always telling myself I have like this social community that doesn't exist, where it's like I'm just gonna have like this multiplayer Smash Brothers hangout, but there will never happen. I think, but you I can have do the it. controllers just I think in case. You can do it. I think if you clear out your living room completely, who can- would actually do it? <laughs> Oh, we have many listeners who would love to come to your house. <laughs> yeah, listeners would, but actual physical bodies <laughs> in, this, in this area, not likely. 
But I still all and I've been like this for previous games. So it's like even back at the Dreamcast and N64, I had four controllers for the N64, yeah. but I'd never get to use them. And uh, like okay. Dreamcast, four controllers. Yeah, the N64 and the Dreamcast came built in with um, four inputs for their controllers. Which mm-hmm. is, it was I, amazing. Perfect. It was a game yeah, changer. Yeah, 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 it changed everything. And then, then they stopped doing it. Oh, no, the GameCube. 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 Yeah. Nintendo kept with it until the wireless stuff kicked in. The wireless is where it all dropped. Because, yeah. of course, now you just have Bluetooth connecting you to everything. Yeah, it doesn't really matter anymore. Except unless you're in a video game tournament and like you're walking around and there's like 20 setups, you got to have Bluetooth turned off or else you're messing up somebody's game. Yeah, I do wonder yeah. how tournaments work with these games now. I haven't, I mean, the last one I went to was, all, like a, was that one fighting game tournament up in PA. Yeah. And that one was wired still. Yeah, it has to be wired. I mean, the, all the ones that I know about, like, it's just too complicated. If you come in there and you mess up with Bluetooth, you'll just get disqualified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like it's interesting to see that with all the technological changes in game mm-hmm. design and console design, they have to keep it retro in the sense of like tournaments, and tournaments aren't going anywhere. No, no. And actually, like you'll have like and I'm sure it's minuscule, but these games are so um, it, it requires so much finesse. And timing that, like the the, the latency, latency. there is a little bit of latency between a wireless controller and a wired controller. That you need it, you absolutely need it. All right, we've been talking over this funk track for a while. Oh, it was a good track for <laughs> funk chat. Funk track, funk track, funk track. All right, so what's your final pick? So my final track comes from a game that probably you probably don't expect. Super Fraser Five, Marty's Revenge. I really wish there was a Fraser game now. You really put that in my head, and I want it to Ooh. exist. Or Super Fraser Six, Niles's Nightmare. Now that'd be the first game. <laughs> that would have been the first Super Fraser. <laughs> Niles's Nightmare was. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. But like this is actually a game. Virtual Niles. <laughs> no, that's Bart's name. It's virtual Bart, and we never speak of virtual Bart for a reason. Um, this game is called. Well, I've mentioned on the show in the past. I think Umehara Kawase for the Super Nintendo, and this track is the Kiryu theme from that game. And what I came across, the composer's name is Pause the Chat. Pause the chat. <laughs> that was the chat. <laughs>
Welcome back. You're listening to the Kiryu theme from the game Umihara Kawase on the Super Nintendo. Composed apparently, actually, by Masahiro Nakano Atsuhiro Motoyama in Shinji Tachikawa. So, apparently I came across reference on snesmusic.org that mentioned Pazda Chat was the composer for this game. But, I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. So... I'm going to go with what I see here. I'm taking these names, and if I'm wrong, hubba dubba dubba, whatever. (laughs) Um, So, what the heck is Umihara Kawase? I feel like I mentioned on the show before, but for those who are like, have not heard that or whatnot, it is a game where you play as a little girl who runs around with a fishing, with a fishing net, or fishing net, a fishing pole that she can use to throw the line out and hook various objects and walls to like Grinch swing around like Bionic Commando like a grappling hook style oh okay okay and it's a surprisingly technical game like it's not arcadey like Bionic Commando it is a scenario where if you don't get used to the technical aspects of how to manipulate the grab the fishing pole line and all you won't get past the first stage and that's not an exaggeration um in addition to that her opponents in this game are various types of fish uh <laughs> And I mean a lot of giant walking fish, flying fish, oh, jumping fish. I think angry I looked fish. this up because you mentioned it one time. Yeah, it's a weird game. Yeah. But people, it, it's developed a huge following. People do speed runs of it. There's been like Umehara Kawase tournaments. Mm. Uh, it's pretty big. Um, but again, it goes back to, I guess, the episode theme of why in the heck did Pernell choose this for Seattle? Yeah. And that goes back to one of the cooler places I remember coming across while I was there, which is the Pike Place Fish Market. Ah. Um, it is located pretty much at the on the coastline of the city. Um, and if you're there, you can actually look out. There's like a highway there. I thought it was an interstate, but I actually think it was like just a road that is more of an expressway. Mm-hmm. But there's an expressway there. You can see Mount Rainier off in the distance, which is yeah. really freaking cool. Uh, yeah. Well, in the summer, you can. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess Otherwise, you can't. Oh. Yeah. And I guess when I was there, was it was it the spring or the summer? I can't remember. It's if, been if that you're many there for years Arcade Expo, it was the end of summer. Oh, there we go. So it was close enough that I could still get a glimpse. I, I, was out I saw th- it. I was out there to visit them one time, forgetting that Penny Arcade Expo was going on, and it was crazy. <laughs> it gets wild. Yeah. And especially now, because, again, it gets, it's like 20,000 people that go. Um, if, if they're not having it this year, right? No, not this yeah. year. I, see, I don't know. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you, because some people are rolling the dice, some aren't. Um, but Pike Place Market is known... Aside from just being the, it's known for two things primarily. Um, one, it's the birthplace of Starbucks. That's where the original Starbucks is located, um, complete with the original logo for Starbucks too. And in addition to that, is the actual fish market that's located there, where it's been known that like the people that work with the fish will actually throw the fish back and forth over like across the aisles and stuff. To yeah. catch, like almost like a weird game of like fish catch. Um, so I started thinking about the idea of flying fish. And what games involve flying fish and just fish in general. And there are opponents in Umehara Kawase that pretty much eject flying fish at you. <laughs> I like that eject fish. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, just get out! Just throw the fish. Um, <laughs> it's just a great, it's a great verb. But like, uh, I, I, I love that city so much. I like mm-hmm. the atmosphere, the vibe, and all. And also, think about Pike Places. That, that that was where I tried Turkish Delight. That stuff is disgusting. And it made, it made me question the line, the witch, and the wardrobe so much. I had to learn well, why it was relevant to that franchise or that story, given how disgusting that candy is. And I did realize it's because 
back then, sugar wasn't a very accessible thing, which means if you had anything that had right. sugar in it... So it took place over the, was the First World War or the Second World War? First World War, I believe. Right, right. So there, so a lot of these things were rationed or they couldn't get a hold of it. So, so the deal. idea of yeah. a child getting access to a Turkish delight was like a dream because it had some sugar in it. <laughs> but in the present taste bud era... Having a Turkish delight is not very good. <laughs> Maybe I'd be different now because I know I have consumed less sugary things than I used to drink consume, but I still question that. I still think I'd be like, you know, I still know what copious amounts of sugar tastes Ooh, like. I had something out there that was very sugary that I think you might like. Oh, it was a mochi deep fried donut. Mochi donut. Yes, yeah, so it was a mochi, the sticky, stick, right, the sticky sweet rice mm-hmm. rolled together into like a donut, like like little balls, like formed together into almost like a teething ring uh-huh. and it was covered and it was fried like that and then it was oh, this was amazing i was so full from eating thai food that like i had to save it for the next day and it was covered like in a raspberry glaze oh and then while it was drying they dumped fruity pebbles all over it see how is it that it was all these cities oh, have these cool God. things but our area is like we're developing a new thing what is it another taco shop or another <laughs> another bar like ooh, that sounds so good tacos Tacos are great, but <laughs> I want innovation in some of the places that yeah. are opening up. And everybody's so just more the same. We went to a huge Asian Asian grocery um, one day just to do. I forget the name of the place. It was massive. It was like a complex. It was like a grocery store and a bookstore and like a, a row of food stalls. And that's where I found it. Mm-hmm. We found a bunch of other cool stuff too that we, we bought for souvenirs. And then, and then across the street we had a place called Daiso. Which was a really not popular a dice shop. Yeah, yeah. Not, it was like D A I S O. It's another like little like Asian grocery slash convenience store. It's had like a ton of like unique like Japanese toys and stuff like that. But like it was literally a convenience shop. It was like, oh wow, these are neat little like Japanese figures and toys. And right next to it is like, do you need to buy pencils? Do you need nope. to buy like pantyhose? <laughs> Deal. Just, let's go. It's like all this stuff is just sitting there. Um, I have a real big thing for stores where you can buy odd combinations of things. Like, it's not as it's yeah. not as it's not as uncommon as it used to be. But I remember, like when I went to college, the, that was the first time I came across a Walmart. Oh yeah, and I was shocked that you could buy alcohol, super bouncy ball, video game, and groceries all in one trip. Yeah, it was very shocking to me, and yeah. I made a point to buy odd combinations of things <laughs> in one trip. Just to be like, look what I found all at one time. It was amazing yeah. to me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna turn this track down. This track is so cute, by the way. Doo, doo, doo. This game is super cute, right? If I yes, remember it right. is. Yeah. It's, it, it belies the challenge that it has, <laughs> I swear. All right, I'm turning the track down, and we're getting into the part of the show that we call the bonus round. Bonus round. It's a relaxing thing to get down with when you want to play games that aren't original games. You get down with the bonus round. That's good. That's good. Print. Print. Same, you guys, same. you guys hear that? You should record that and make a remix out of that. <laughs> so uh, stop. The bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements based on our theme, except for me. Um, although maybe, maybe, maybe Pernell. All right, so I had to go off script because I wanted something different, Ooh. and I couldn't think of anything good. So, <laughs> um, uh, uh, guests, past guests of the show, friends of the show, um, we have uh, Masochist, um, Angel Hernandez. And Eric Peabody from Viking Guitar uh, just recently collaborated on a track from Super Metroid, which I'm super excited to listen to. This is Lower Norfair, the death metal cover, 
bowels of torment, all caps. <laughs> in case you weren't aware of how much torment was taking place in these bowels, it's a lot. Um, and yeah, I think that's the best description of Seattle, honestly. Bowels of torment. Hey, right. hey, hey, don't okay. you bad mouth my beautiful city. Oh, how about this? The amount of food that I ate resulted, resulted in, bowels in of <laughs> the bowels of torment because I, I shouldn't have eaten that donut. There it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> now you're getting somewhere. That's how you tie in your product. <laughs> I like it. All right. Here we go. This is um, uh, from Super Metroid. We have Viking Guitar uh, versus uh, Masochist. Masochist is on the drums, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a drummer. And we have Viking Guitar. He plays guitars. Keyboards? I know him as the guitarist. Marimba. He didn't play no damn marimba. <laughs> Alto sax.
That was the Norfair theme from Super Metroid. The Bowels of Torment, Pernell. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that, that's how my stomach sounded. I, if that's how after your stomach so, sounded, I don't, I don't think you'd be here so much as still in the emergency room over there. Like, hey, Rob, how are you feeling? You have an anomaly taking place here. What did you eat again, sir? So that's a new track from Viking Guitar and Masochist uh, on the drums. And yeah, they are always bringing out the big heavies, big heavy epics. I like they, they turned Norfair into that. Yeah, it's such a simple like melody almost. There's only so many notes, and then they just kind of make something out of that, like something greater. Like that little middle section where like with a little drum solo, and then it goes to a guitar solo is really cool. It's, it's, it sounds like it's out of a different part of the world, you know. The the more ex, expert difficulty for <laughs> Metroid, I guess. <laughs> no, it just is like it's all heavy, 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 and then it kind of gets like the guitar gets like lighter or something, and it sounds like the drums are like in a cave, and then it kind of B sides to Norfair. Oh. That's that's <laughs> the B-sides to Norfair. That's right. The B-sides to the Bowels of Torment. You don't want to be around me when that happens. <laughs> All right, what's your, uh, what's your track? I better not get into that. So funny <laughs> thing about it is that um, originally I was going to go with uh, a track from the game Skitchin for my set of three. That would be, you know, the trifecta of the consoles. But uh, I got to a point where I needed to come up with what the bonus round track would be. So I was like, well, I don't want to do that because it would be a little bit duffer. That's when I came across the Penny Arcade one. So that doesn't mean I got rid of Skitchin because I definitely am happy about the reason why I chose Skitchin for this. So what? This will be from the game Skitchin. It is a cover. Ooh. It is the- What a clever idea. I love it. What? Skitchin? Yeah, Skitchin. I didn't even think of Skitchin. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um. So this is a cover for Cheese Grater, which is my one of my favorite yeah. tracks in the game. The other track I was going to pick before the bonus round aspect was Jerky Curtain. But, uh, <laughs> I love the names, of, I love the names of the songs. And this is a cover. The original track was composed by Jeff Van Dyke, but this is a cover done by Real KCT.
Welcome back. You are listening to the cover for the song Cheese Grater from the game Skitchin. Originally released on the Sega Genesis, composed by Jeff Van Dyke, and covered in this instance by Real KCT. Uh, well, I'm a big fan. I love Skitchin, um, but also why that's Skitchin! <laughs> I love that this is at the beginning of the game. So good. Um, but why pick it for this? Well, frankly, just... Aside from the fact that, believe it or not, there actually is a Seattle track in Skitchin, um, I also primarily picked it because of the fact that Seattle, or more notably the state of Washington, is pretty much the birthplace of the grunge genre of music, yeah. of which I would say Skitching would fit in quite nicely. <laughs> um, if I am wrong, well, then strike me down, no, but mean, don't actually do it. Um, Skitchin was all about like the grunge rock music. On the Sega Genesis and like the flannels and and all that stuff, the the the, the extreme sports of it, you know. Yes. Very very nineties. I th- I couldn't believe like I didn't think about Skitchin. You know, it was such a great idea for the show. Skitchin for for the Seattle topic. And know? like the two bands that came to mind for me of this was like basically like Nirvana and Screaming Trees are like the two bigger yeah. ones from that era that click with me. Um, but it's funny also just how many bands are also grunge that also come from that area that. Many people who listen to them don't even realize they're grunge. Um, they're just like, oh, this is a great track. <laughs> what is it? Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like it fits the mold to the letter. And this is a fantastic cover of, again, my favorite track in Skitchin. So I, there it is. Yeah. But see, but this also is why I kind of want to do more. Well, we can talk about that on the closing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to do more. We'll do more of these types of episodes, I think, in the future. So yeah, for more information on the bonus round, Go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to the artist's band camps and SoundClouds and bios everywhere where you can go find the music and buy the music or stream the music and support these amazing artists. Thanks for joining us on episode 29-2 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is music uh, for Seattle. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Our Seattle list of tracks is weird, but I think that's part of the fun of the concept. Too. Yeah, yeah. it's like, this is just, I think we're going to do more regional music in the future. And uh, I think yeah. That would be interesting for like cities that we've never been to or one has been to and the other has it. Yeah, it's like, like, what uh, would you choose? Yeah, what are, what are the things about this city that we've heard about? Like, what are all like the, the stereotypical things for this town? And we'll do that. Uh, we also had a request for us to do uh, music from a development studios based in Sweden. That would be cool, so actually. mostly Swedish, almost all Swedish composers. I mean, that would be a cool, cool thing to do. I think so. that'll also have to be like a non-summer 16-bit, though. As you, who knows? Maybe there are a number of Swedish developers who are prominent in 16-bit. We should look into that. I think so. I think so. Um, and we can, yeah, maybe that'll be our that'll be our winter. The winter of our 32-bit discontent. I don't know. <laughs> Cripes. <laughs> um, but anyway... Um, it's getting to be about dinner time for me. I'm getting hungry. Uh, so f- uh, for more information on our show, right? If you want to, uh, um, um, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Ramalama. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Apples. If you want to get in contact with us. <laughs> <laughs> if you, the listener, wants wants to talk to Pernell, send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And for um, a full track listing of our episode and pictures of Pernell, go to the website. <laughs> Rhythmandpixels.com. What are you talking about? Joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you can get um, access to uh, the full track listings from this episode, access to all of our old episodes, because um, on our podcast feed on like Spotify, 
and on Apple Music. It only goes to 150. Really? Yeah, and we have 280 episodes. So, did you see that ever happening when you was like, "Let's do a show"? I, I wasn't really planning that far ahead, uh, but here we are. <laughs> hey, I'm not complaining. It's fun. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to get all of our episodes, go to the, is the best way to do that is go to the website. I don't think they're really hosted anywhere else. So check that out. Um, yeah, and then if you want to check us out on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter, it's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Um, you can check us out there. All of our um, like artwork for all the episodes are on Instagram, and I think it's a fun place to just kind of click through and see all like the silly pictures of us. I still need to try to mess with Instagram. I'm st- I need to wrap my head around it and utilize it. You need to like just take pictures of like everything and then just do it. Just Every yeah, I, as people do. I, I think I think that's what people do on Instagram. There's a bird Instagram. I, we post once a week. That's all, that's all we do. <laughs> hey, it works. So if you like that kind of thing, check out our Instagram. Um, YouTube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. We have a 24-7, uh, 8-bit and 16-bit uh, classics and deep cut radio station. It was off for the week. I have a new computer set up, and for some reason it crashed on me. Um, so it was out while I was in Seattle because I couldn't get to it. Um, and it said that there was a memory error, so I think there was a Windows Defender update. Or attack. Who knows? Could be anything. Both. Could be attack and defense. <laughs> yeah, attack and defense, and that killed the memory. I don't know, but I want to figure that out. But either way, it's up there now. It's rocking and rolling. So check that out there. If you like it, Barbara subscribe and it. Barbara, Barbara, Barbara um, all of our episodes are also um, um, also uploaded to YouTube as well. And if you liked the show and you want to support it, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com slash merch where we have cool uh, t-shirt designs there. I saw it my Falcom shirt. Yeah, I yeah. do that. Well, let me know, because um, we can talk about this after the show, but I can hook you up. <laughs> All right, because I, I want the Falcom. Yeah, so yeah, you can get a shirt with Falcom on it. You can get a shirt with the Konami Kukuhea Club on it. You can get a shirt with the SST band on it. I think Kung Fu Carlito actually got the Kukuhea Club. Yeah, shirt, he did. He? Yeah, it looked good on him, too. Yeah, and I think that um, a listener, Cameron, got the SST band shirt. Which took me a long time to do. We could have a composer war pretty soon. (laughs) Or if you don't want to get that, you can get a uh, Run VGM shirt. You can get uh, um, an official Lobster Racing video game t-shirt. I still wear that. I still wear it, too. I wear that in Seattle, actually. And um, Actually, I wear all my shirts everywhere. It's it's my only wardrobe now. (coughs) I I would wear it to work if I could. And you can also support us by going to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And there you can get access to a weekly prequel episode of me and Pernell chatting, catching up on the week. Um, this week we talked about like caffeine, um, fitness, and some other stuff. It was a lot of it was a definite hodgepodge. Sometimes we come in. I already can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we come in and we're like angry about something or like the news usually, and we talk about that. This time was about all sorts of stuff. Just uh, being wacky. Yeah, and so that's always a lot of fun. You also at any level you get access to that, and you get access to a monthly live stream, uh, which is a, uh, a live recorded episode of our show. And at the highest levels, uh, we like to thank everyone at the end of the show. We'll thank our patrons at the highest level. So, uh, frankly, Zappa, thank you very much. Uh, also, for he checked out my DDR stream on Sunday. Yeah, no, today's Sunday, Saturday. And so that was really nice. Uh, Mike Myers, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Werma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast. Also, before we move on, I should probably point out Cameron got his day of retribution because oh. a couple episodes ago, I gave Carl, Kung Fu Carlito and I were giving him, ribbing him about not finishing La Mulana 2. Oh, well, did he get through? He knocked it out. Hey. He's off the list. Good on you, Cameron. That's 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 no easy feat. He is uh, not. Except for Purnell, who's done it a few times. His hour count shows, too. He put true effort into it. Well, I that, that's, I'm impressed. He, he knocked it Super out. Super impressed. awesome. That's a cool game. Uh, what else we got? We got we got to thank uh, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. 
Um, Christopher Shenstrom. Is it 219 or 219? I think it's 219. I've never actually heard him verbally stated. That's the thing. I've only ever seen it written, so I don't know. Let us know. Let us know. Let us know if next year you're a year older and you want to be Musashi 220. We can, that would can, be. That'd be kind of funny. But you can let, just let a, us know. He is wise, so I'll give him that. <laughs> uh, Christopher Shenstrom, Davy Cakes, Harold Howard, Wicked Sephiroth, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Forever Sound Version Podcast, Reinhardt Zelkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, just tacos, just talking about tacos again, uh, The Autistic Gamer 89, Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy, and Ulf Person. So I want to thank all of you very much. Also for worth noting too, uh, I, um, Ed, Ed Wilson's wife and friend actually sent out some coffee to me on my spearheaded journey to get off of K-Cups. Oh. So I am I am officially on the no more K-Cup train. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. We're listening to the song it's Caffeine Dream um, from Skitchin. There it so is. that was your caffeine dream. Caffeine, babe. And if you want to give us some caffeine, send it to Pernell. I'm, <laughs> I'm not drinking. Rob's off. I'm off it. All right. So um, thank you, everybody, for your support of the show. Um, seeing your names every week really means a lot to me. It means a lot to Pernell. Um, really keeps us going, keeps everything going. It and, is genuinely appreciated. Um, next week, we have a special guest coming on the show. And so look out for that. That'll be a lot of fun. If not next week, then maybe the week after, but I'm pretty sure it'll be next week. And after that, the summer of 16 bit marches forward. That is true. No. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm trying to think. I wonder how many more episodes of Summer of 16 Bit there are going to be. Because, like, I don't, I, I am terrible with determining when seasons end yeah. and start. Let's go until September. Let's go until school starts. That sounds. Once good. school's back in session, summer's pretty much over. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, thanks for listening to the show. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. We'll see you next week. And remember, well, we're getting older. Society is marching forward. The seasons are rotating, and the Earth is doing all kinds of crazy weird stuff. What am I getting at here? Travel. <laughs> Traveling is a good way to see the world around you and to get out and see and experience new cool things. It is something worth encouraging, and generally we tend to say things like, next year I'll do this, or next year I'll do that. But the thing is, time passes. Next thing you know, next year is five years from now, and you're missing opportunities in which to travel. If you find yourself in a situation where money is a tight wad or tight for you to travel, I'm that guy, by the way, so I can relate. Um, that doesn't mean you can't experience and go see new things. It just means maybe look for some discounts, look for some deals, travel locally, but not too locally. You know, like maybe try, drive a little bit and then get a motel room just to get out cheaply to see stuff and experience things. It's just genuinely worth it. And also, then you'll be writing talk during episodes of shows where you talk about weird food you've eaten in other places. It's just great. <laughs> get some disco fries. Get some deep dish. Get some flying fish. All kinds of tasty flying, treats. Flying fish. Real flying fish. Cooked in the air. Um, just fun times, you know. So, good night. <laughs>